tonight, the Dragons' winning streak continues. But Trent Robinson sees red, pointing the finger at officials. Big Mal confirms Radradra's a roo. Hard to believe, an American pie steals the show on Anzac Day, while Fife's bid for back-to-back Brownlows is shattered. The comeback kings go head-to-head in the A-League Grand Final. Dual International Craig Wing is our special guest. This won't hurt a bit. Yes, we're on. Come on in. No, no, you did it already. And you we're live. Come on. This is the back page. Wanted to run around in the baggy green. Want to be on TV shows like this where we can have a laugh. Never, ever give up. They think we're not strong enough, but we just be the world. Their senses are dulled. I got punched in the back of the head regularly. It was just unfortunate it was from a coach. G'day everybody, great to have your company in another bumper week in sport and desperate to roll up their sleeves and start swinging uh, Kelly Underwood and Robert Craddock. Kel's already got rid of the sleeves now that I have a look. <laughs> <laughs> on this side, uh, Jill Schiller and Jamie Soward. Hello gentlemen, welcome to both of you. Look, it's very tough I know for players to turn up here after a close loss on the free field. Uh, so I, I know you were a little bit down uh, and so thank you very much for getting up after being pipped at the post by the Sharks. So just to cheer you up, Sowie. I want to show you some of your work from the NBA. Oh, Around the uh, World Challenge. Uh, just talk us through this. This is just trying oh, to get oh, from really? as many places around the court. Talk me through what was going on, bud. Yeah, that was uh, warm-up, so I didn't know they had the camera on. <laughs> but, um, oh, yeah, it wasn't oh. good. I think Kurt Tippett and Kim Green really showed me up. But uh, There's a score, five, five out of 50. Did you have 50 shots for five? <laughs> <laughs> no, there was a total score, but yeah... The missus gave it to me. I was pretty ordinary, wasn't I? You were very ordinary. I just saw a shoulder that day, though. Yeah. So. I just wanted to cheer you up, so let's do this. <laughs> All right, look, it's a bit sad that the NRL showpiece Anzac Day game ended with Roosters coach Trent Robinson firing shots at blokes in a bunker. His attack on referee Ben Cummins was far more personal after the Dragons held on for a two-point win. And the bunkers decided to be the on-field ref today. They, they just they jumped in at every occasion. They've got a... You know, they're not the match review committee. And then, you know... Ben's been horrible for, you know, disrespectful to our players for, for many years, you know, and it's continued. We've had good high percentage win rate up until this year, and Ben Cummins, we've won two games under him. He's just, he speaks poorly to our players, won't look him in the eye. You know, he's just, it's just poor. The way that he spoke to Jake during the game was unacceptable. Ignoring the fact that Ben Cummins, as you could see, there was looking directly in the eye of Jake Friend and seemed to be t- speaking OK, uh, he's had a huge crack, hasn't he? Oh, he has. And, I mean, I thought that was disgraceful. Absolutely disgraceful. He's been fined $40,000, and I've heard people walk around saying, gee, that's a hefty fine. I reckon it's barely adequate. 20, 20 grand for that, another $20,000 for what was an incident in the tunnel when I think he also confronted the referee there. Well, he's put the NRL in a terrible position. And, I mean, for the referee, who, may I say, they've only won one game this year, and guess who refereed it? Ben Cummings. So, I mean, there's a stat in itself. That is appalling. To question a referee's integrity, what do they do now, the NRL? Do they take Cummins away from their games or do they leave him on the Roosters' games, knowing that every decision will be scrutinised? But the whole conduct of that club last night, from Nick Politis muttering obscenities beneath his breath at the press conference to Nick Politis taking on Todd Greenberg in the tunnel, in a, in a tater-tate. Mm-hmm. It's totally unacceptable, Tony. Is it classic deflection from him from a performance or do you see some merit in what he's had to say? No, I actually watched the game closely yesterday and I thought he had some merit in what he said. 
Uh, he came out and defended his team. You look at the decisions that the bunker came in and ruled on, and it was confusing as a spectator, not just a, a person that plays the game, but someone that was watching it. It was confusing for the bunker to come in at that time. And Trent had just made the point that the bunker had come in at certain times where he didn't know they could come in. And he got his point out, and I think, take away whatever happened in the tunnel and all that kind of stuff, that's not acceptable. But for Trent to come out and back his players and ask for clarity on what decisions were made and why and how they came to them, I think it's very fair from the Roosters. So I think if, you know, absolutely you're within your rights to say that he, he was, had a right to be angry. I put it to you, why does he have to say that publicly? Why can't he say that privately? If he really he did in thinks the tunnel, cost him 20 grand. that he was hard done by, <laughs> why can't he, was... he approach the ref and, and <laughs> approach the NRL in a professional manner? Because what he's doing, he's hanging that ref out to dry, he's giving every fan a free swing at that ref. What other sport in the world, as a coach, Crash, can you go in and abuse the ref like that after a game? Yeah, and the sad thing was, the points he made were fair about the bunker, but that's all completely lost. And you know what? I reckon Ben Cummins' bedside manner could do with a little bit of a tweak. But by the same token, Jamie, the referee doesn't have to engage in this massive long debate with the player. He, yeah, he, a, a clipped ex explanation of the rule, but surely he doesn't have to, you know, get in, in, in involved in a, in a back-and-forth debate. Yeah, not at all, but I think what Jake was trying to get across there was they had a stoppage in play. Jake was trying to get some clarity on what had happened and why it was a penalty. And his point was, if you slow everything down in our game, it's always going to look like a late hit. It's always going to look like he dropped the ball scoring a try. What we're trying to do is get some, I guess, parity across the game of just watch it in fast motion. Because well, if you watch that Kane Evans shot in fast motion, I thought it was play on. And because they slowed it well, right down... Well, it's in fast motion. It's never going to look like it's late. Well, you're well, a Dragons fan. You've yeah. had a yeah, I spent the last the five game. minutes. I was there. I spent the last well, five minutes in the bathroom going, la, 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 la. <laughs> what I can understand is that he's going, it's a tough game. It's Anzac Day. You know, it's tough. <laughs> Let's be tough. And then he's going, the ref is a meanie weenie when he's speaking weenies <laughs> to the players. He doesn't look at them in the eyes. I mean, it's either tough or it's too this soft. This is also but, forgetting that two of the tries that the Roosters scored, one, there was a forward pass. The other, there was a knock on. He, they weren't treated that badly in that game. There's no doubt about it. Before you answer. <laughs> uh, here's what ARL Commission Chairman John Grant had to say about the Roosters' complaints. Firstly, it was obviously orchestrated. You know, there'd been conversations and there was intent and it went on for a long time. They're a very proud club and they're a very successful club and they've got successful leaders and they're not used to not being successful. And I think the misplaced and spurious um, belief that it's a referee's fault, it's just not. You know, it's just a ridiculous proposition. So we agree to agree with uh, John Grant? Well, I, I don't think, think that Trent Robinson was blaming the referee. If you listen to the whole press conference, he just said that his team deserved a chance to try and win the game. He said that they weren't good enough in the first half, which they weren't. The Dragons played all over them. He just thought that his team had earned their way back in the second half and deserved a chance at the end to try and win the game. I feel what he gets across very clearly there, though, that Nick Politis and Trent Robinson got together. And mm. super wealthy Nick said... Pal, if this one costs you a few shillings, don't worry. It's all beer money to me. It is. <laughs> like 40 grand to him. It, yeah. Honestly, it's spill that. a big early test for Todd Greenberg, in a sense, Absolutely. isn't it? Because this is a club trying to bully the NRL. Absolutely. All right, then. Uh, Sammy Burgess is an inspirational player, and he tried to lift his team who was struggling against Brisbane. But what an ugly way to do it, coming from the top rope mm. to crush Joe Offer and Gowie. He was just having a little lie down at the time. Uh, this anger play, boom, it, that... I mean, that's like putting a bullet in a corpse. It's needless. It's unnecessary, surely. That was back to World Championship Wrestling in the <laughs> 1980s. Remember when the guy used to jump off the top rope on yeah. the guy who was prone? Mm -hmm. And you get away with it there. It, it, it's not a great look. I mean, there was figures in the paper the other day that junior signings are flatlined in rugby league. And it's stuff like that, Jamie, that doesn't look good.
Yeah, it doesn't look good for the game. And obviously, if Sam had his time again, he'd probably take it back. But as far as I was concerned, as a player, you were allowed to do that. Because if you had to just put a hand on him, you don't get a penalty for a voluntary tackle anymore. So Sam's yeah. just played to the whistle. And if the rest didn't stop anything, he's gone on with it. And obviously, yeah, he got a penalty after that. I think uh, just what, going back on what you said, Crash, Sam, he is still working on his technique. He's been listening. He wants to take that flopping to the next level. And this is, oh, <laughs> this is been, yeah, that was a good one, I think. Uh, then a little bit more elaborate gets points. Uh, oh, beautiful. <laughs> How good. Look at this one. Well done, Crash. You're ahead of time. Yeah. Uh, Jared Healy, uh, AFL legend, of course, he reckoned that Sam's flop would have got him six to eight weeks in the AFL. Do you think that's the case? Uh, I don't know whether six to eight weeks. Well, this is Alex Rance from Richmond. Now, that's not a flop, but that's something just as ugly, isn't it? Well, You've got that, two weeks. I mean, that's brutal. I mean, for, for a smart person, that is a stupid act. And Alex Rance has got two weeks for that. So, it, look, it's always hard to compare codes and it's also always hard to compare incidents, isn't it? But... Um, that, I mean, that was so silly because the game was lost. Yeah. He's their most important player. They're struggling with depth. They've got injuries and they've got two big games coming up. So credit to him. He went into the club today. Yeah. He put his hand up and he said, I want to speak to the media. And he said, yeah, I'm so remorseful. I'm embarrassed by what I've done. I've made a massive blue. So. He stood at the back for the Tigers for a long time and done great service. He's obviously not happy with what's going on in front of him. That frust frustration showed through, didn't it? Yeah, absolutely. That yeah. was frustration. But it, it, does, it doesn't excuse the fact, Jules, no. does it? I, know, I was going to say, does it really matter? He, he hits the guy in the back of the head. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if he does the apology, does that... I mean, Can just you... don't do it. Isn't he? He's kind of a religious guy, isn't he? Yeah, and... very religious. And, uh, and was oh, right, they've never committed any <laughs> 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 absolute frustration but you can't have that you've got to get that out of the game All right, can I just show you then uh, a hit that was absolutely legal and huge you were nearby Jamie South biggest tackle of the year Luke Lewis on your skip and Matty Moylan did you hear that from where you were yeah, well, if you keep watching closely enough, Tone, I think you'll see the bigger hit after that when I come in on Michael Ennis. Yes, Michael Ennis. <laughs> um, How that surprising was... that Mick Ennis got involved with a little... Uh, how's your yeah, that was a love tap. And, and look then... at this better oh, go! Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you want to talk big hits. Yeah. I mean, that was... That was Guy Lewis round two, wasn't it? It was just hey, Tammy, exciting. Do you, and, uh, do you and Ennis scout each other? Like, what's the sledging? What's the calibre of it? Like, what yeah. is it? Well, Mick's been sledging me for a long time, but it was about my headgear and wearing a headgear, and now it's not so funny because he wears a headgear as <laughs> well. So. What has he moved on? Onto your beard? Yeah, yeah, I don't know. He just he sort of said hello, and obviously he won on the weekend, so he gets to, to smile. But yeah, he's a fantastic player. But that there was uh, quite a shot from Luke Lewis. But you know, the, the courage of Moyes would be able to catch the ball and, and put our body it, on the It's line. funny though, you don't go on with him, and you get, you get into a bit of an argument, argy bargy, you, you and Mick, uh, at the weekend. Then you both, of course, he was for NRL 360, both in the green room, it's all tickety boo. Sharing Nando's. You were like eating drumsticks. <laughs> <like. laughs> <laughs> nah, well, he's on the 360 show, so I was, uh, I'm on the main show. Which <laughs> so that, uh, yeah. that's, I guess I won that battle, didn't I? <laughs> oh, man. It's good to, sledge when, he's, good to sledge yeah. when he's not in the room. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, look, I can't believe this isn't our lead story for the night, actually. Anthony Mundine wants to come back to the NRL, and at just 40 years of age, he's got plenty to offer, <laughs> surely, hasn't he? It's an interesting one, isn't it? Mm. I think uh, I met, yeah, I saw Chock the other week in the All Stars camp, and obviously yeah. he's still fit and keeps fit with his boxing and stuff. And 
I don't think it'll be the skill level of Choc coming back in. I think it'll just be, at the moment, what I'm finding is it's a young man's game coming up. You've got kids that are 19, 20, 21, who are just so much faster and stronger. And it's like with every sport, you know, father time's undefeated. It, it, it catches up with everyone. And, but I'm sure if Choc put his mind to it, he'd be able to come back and at least test to see where he's at. So, putting age aside and the fact that he was 40, I think he finished in 2001 and you started a few years later. What would be the biggest hurdle he would have to overcome? I think his fitness would have to change. Obviously, boxing is sort of going He's dropped a lot minutes. of weight. He's dropped a lot he? of weight, so he'd have to put, put that, all that muscle back on. And uh, now everyone's bigger and stronger. So I think he's about 70, 71 at the yeah, moment. Yeah. So he'd have to probably get up to about 90, which is 20 kilos, which is a lot. What about the fact that nobody him? would sign him? Would that be in the way? Peter Dowson said that he'll sign him. What about the fact that the Spice Girls were number one when he retired? But you know what? We laugh at him and all the gags on Twitter, but they reckon he's made $30 million out of his 16-year boxing career, and I can't find any rugby league player who's earned more than 10, the top point. So, hey, guess what? He's giggling longest. He's still great theatre. I love watching him at the Dragons. I mean, normal people obviously might think, as you've said, that, you know, time has got you beat at 40. Anthony isn't normal people. He's extraordinary people. And he wants to win a premiership, as he told Aaron Mole, and have a look. This might be my calling, man. You know what I mean? You come back and try and get one. You know, I'm not looking to just to fulfil the numbers in. You know, I'm, I'm looking to make an impact. Recently turned 40 and, you know, I look, I look 20, so... Who tells you that? Oh, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> is he a different though, guy? The th sorry, the thing about him is, uh, this is the same man who was a young bloke who was arguing about his non-selection in the Blues side, said that Laurie Daly was running on old legs. Laurie Daly was 27 at the time. <laughs> <laughs> time has changed just a little bit. All right, Fijian uh, Sammy Radradra is set to fulfil his lifelong dream of playing for Australia. <laughs> He's been picked in the Kangaroos side to take on the Kiwis. This was coach Mal Meninga. He's the best winger in the competition. Um, again, he showed that on the other night um, and he deserves to be here. So, I mean, pretty hard, you know, not to put him... But the rules are the rules. And, you know, obviously um, it's not perfect at the moment, but what is? At the end of the day, I'm, I'm coaching the Kangaroos. And to be honest with you, uh, he deserves to be in the footy team and I'm looking forward to coaching him. And I'm looking forward to watching him play. What about you, Crash? Oh, it, it is a circus. I mean, look, he can't play for New South Wales. He can't play for, play for Queensland. He's lived in Fiji for 19 of his 23 years. He's got a Fijian passport. That's what he travels under. To me, him playing in Australia is much like a Trinidad soccer player playing in the English Premier League. He doesn't play for England. He goes back and plays for Trinidad. Like, he should be playing for Fiji. A end of story. I'm sorry. Uh, that's just... Mel, even a little bit of Mel, thinks that. But, of course, he can't say it. He's got to go the company line. And he's got to, the old saying, he's got to pick what's in front of him. And he's eligible. So, but it's crazy. It really is. Do you think it's a worry for international footy that he's not playing for Fiji and that he can and is playing for Australia? Well, I think you'd probably be more of an issue if it was a World Cup year because it's not. So it's a one-off test against New Zealand. So he's probably just found that But it that's... is next year, Jamie. It's, and it's World a two -year Cup. Win and, and, and they were hanging their whole show on him playing for them. And now they, now they can't. Yeah, well, it was interesting because Jared Hayne played for Fiji as well and then went on and played for Australia. So... The international laws, as it sits for rugby league, are very confusing and up in the air about who can play for what and how long you have to sit out for. Well, but it's going to be two years once he plays for Australia before he could play for Fiji if he decided to go back that path. Then you'd have to think that he'll be in the World Cup side next year. Yeah, and you'd have to think that he'd deserve a spot in that Australian side, given the rules as they are. Right, Greg Inglis, of course, he's also in the Aussie side. He's in the centres. He's been struggling a little bit this season as it's been much reported uh, all the last week, and I think it went pretty good. He's decided, though, to dump social media 
to avoid getting bagged by people who know everything about everything. Is, it, is this a good idea? There's not negative people on Twitter, are there? No. Like, Twitter, <laughs> great, it's a great photo, Jules. You're looking cool. <laughs> keep it up. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's a very good, it's a good idea if you're not going well. I mean, you're on social, you don't have as many followers as me, but I know you're on Twitter. Jamie, do you find that you get mainly positive Ah, yeah, there's a lot of people out there that offer their advice and they've all played the game and um, <laughs> done stuff. Insert emoji here. <laughs> but look, yeah, Twitter and that, if if you don't like it, then G.I.'s decided to switch off from it. I've actually found that his form's not, been not too bad. It's just a matter of uh, he wants to get off that and, and shut one life, uh, part of his life out and concentrate on footy, which is fine. He's mm. not the first athlete to do that. I think Andrew Bogut last year in the playoffs actually said on Twitter, I'm, I'm off. LeBron James. Yeah, LeBron James has done it. I'll catch you in a month and then yeah. jumps back on. Emily Seabom, if you asked her about social well, media, yeah. she claims it cost her a gold medal. So. Absolutely. And that's a huge issue at these Olympics because there's all these kids who can't live without social media yeah. between heats and finals, yeah, they'll be on. Before and, a final and, and it could just completely throw them. Mm. They do it need really to be could. on. I mean, I'm very professional on social media, so you should uh, check out my MySpace account if you're there. It just lost. <laughs> That's right. Sometimes <laughs> I upset my, upset my 42 followers by just not posting <laughs> anything for weeks. All right, look, not everything went the Raiders' way during their uh, huge 60 to 6 win over the Tigers. Group blokes, they wanted to support uh, Clay Priest, who was making his debut, had that banner rejected at the gate. Who needs a church when you have the priest. Was it that... Surely that's unnecessary. <laughs> aren't we going... We're turning into the, a group of Methodist ministers in Australia, aren't we? Like, fancy banning that. I mean, we all get the, the offensive, re religious-orientated banners. That's just a bit of good fun, for God's sake, isn't it? I don't say for God's sake on this show, please. <laughs> well, <laughs> you said for God's sake. <laughs> <laughs> They're two single 30-year-old blokes. I'm just worried about the condition of the sheet. They can't get away with that and you think you can get away with well, that? I'm just saying they probably haven't done their laundry yeah. as often. And you're about to cop it on Twitter. Yeah, exactly. You just lost yeah. 10 followers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, they got 11. <laughs> <laughs> that one, that banner obviously was too edgy, but back when Willie Mason was playing for the Cowboys and Alan Tung was a Raiders star, this one made it no problem. Who needs a big Willie when you have a great tongue? <laughs> See, that's just Amen. clever. Amen. 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 <laughs> uh, shall we move on? Just as well you're not on Twitter. <laughs> Collingwood not only managed to get a vital win over Essendon on Anzac Day, they came up with a feel-good story. American Mason Cox's first kick in AFL was a goal in front of 80,000 people. Kill, how good's this? Well, call me crazy, but mm -hmm. I, I reckon this is like the AFL's Jared Hayne. It, it's the equivalent of Hayne starting for the San Francisco 49ers and, and scoring maybe a touchdown on debut because two years ago, that man in the centre of the screen had never even heard of AFL. He went along to the LA Combine that they started a couple of years ago. Collingwood took him and he's been just plying his craft quietly in the VFL and to make your debut in front of 80,000 fans, 211 <laughs> centimetres. He's yeah. the tallest player in the competition. His parents and his brothers flew it's out beautiful. within 24 hours of, you know, get it, arriving that morning. An amazing... This is just a great sport. From Texas, yeah. so he fits right in at Collingwood. It's yeah. good. It was great of him to kick the first goal. It was a great moment. But, look, the game wasn't... I mean, Essendon put up about as much resistance as Clive Palmer at a dessert bar, really. They just, they just completely fell over. I, 
I think that I think Donald Trump would have got a possession in that game. I, I mean, I, let's hope that he hangs around. He is one positive story for yeah. Why Collingwood. Why would you and... undermine a beautiful feel-good story? Because you're a Hawthorne supporter. <laughs> <laughs> Did it change anyone's thinking that instead of Port Adelaide going to China, they should be going to San Francisco or New York? Well, I think the theory... It's taken a while for some clubs to jump on board, but once upon a time, someone thought of an Irishman, didn't they? And mm. look how successful that experiment worked. So um, the, the issue is, is that Aaron Sanderlands came into the game and, you know, the recruiters are looking around Australia to find someone to be as good as him. Why not go to America where, you know, one out of every two kids doesn't make it to the NBA but has all the talent? So they're going there for Ruckman. Yep. They're going there for the tall athletic types. Right, Freo, that, uh, their horrible season just gets worse, doesn't it? Another loss and Brownlow medal star at five. This is terrible. The season uh, over you'd suspect anyway, with a leg fracture. It's shocking, isn't it? Injuries denying us the chance to see the very best players. We didn't see Gary Ablett much yeah. in action yeah. last year and now we won't see Nat Fife in action for a while. I think he had surgery today in Melbourne. So he, he broke, the, broke his leg last year, yep. as you said, and had the plate inserted and this is a break just above, above the plate. That. So another bigger plate to be inserted. We might see him again this year, but Fremantle's, I mean, their season's shot, so... Whether it's a good idea for him to come back or just put him on ice for the rest of the, the season, year. probably a shot. I mean, e even some of the Frio fans are abandoning ship. Uh, I don't know if you saw this sign. I'm not tanking. <laughs> 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 right. is, that five, is that five holding? The <laughs> <laughs> that they're, like, they're like the reverse Leicester Fremantle. Twitter. There was a news flash today. Did you see that? Frio's new coach from China. One win soon. I know it's corny, but they're actual. Coach uh, Ross Lyon has at least maintained his sense of humour. Have a listen to this. Good to see you dressed for the occasion, mate. Yeah. I do. <laughs> well, they could both be selling a big issue. Yeah, that's years. right. Exactly. <laughs> that's very Many more losses. Sydney could look exactly like that. Officially anchored at the bottom of the uh, ladder, aren't they? Yeah, they are. All right, Geelong. Uh, Patrick Dangerfield. He copped a knee to the solar plexus during the win over Port Adelaide. Unfortunately, it was uh, too late to stop him from doing this with wife Marty on the way to a game. Looks like I'm a queen. <laughs> That's very good. How, they're very good. He, lo he loves Geelong. Oh, it's fantastic. I love Dangerfield. He's fantastic. He just, you know, what a star. Don't very, you think he's very shy around a camera, isn't he? Oh yeah, he loves it. He'll be a he'll be a great media star. Don't Absolutely. you enjoy that? Yeah, though? yeah, definitely. Could have been no. no better if it was, you know. The, the monkeys or someone. Well, they've had two editions. Don't show you eight. The monkeys, obviously. <laughs> Who are you talking about? Two editions of that. I'm sure there will be many, many more. All right, fans continue to impress in their efforts to distract opposing players when they are shooting for goal. The Demons, they come up with these large... Look at the spinning wheels at the back there. Just to oh, try, right. try to just... Isn't that cool? <laughs> lining up for, is it for a shot at goal. Oh. Is that the same sort of distracting they do for you when you're lining up for goals from the sideline at the weekend, Sally? No, because that sign doesn't say wanker on it. <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> Yelling at you. I just get yelled at. Yeah, you're a wanker. I don't know. If, yeah, is it the razor sharp wit that gets you? Sam, <laughs> <laughs> so, they really came at you though at the weekend, didn't they? For that yeah. Was... Kick. Does it does it get to you? Oh, I think sometimes. I guess you know you're going to have certain occasions where you probably hear it a little bit more than others. But at the end of the day, you know, I need to be able to still perform under pressure and. Uh, hopefully next time they have the twirly signs instead of the, the chants. <laughs> might be a bit easier for me. Well, this fan, uh, you might like... Uh, she wasn't doing the distracting. She was distracted herself by Josh Jenkins' engine room. Uh, just got to have a little... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Looking at his Adelaide Oval there. <laughs>
It's just terrible how women treat men like just objects. I know. Yes. It's uncouth women from South Australia, isn't it? Oh. Just yeah. out of control. Shocking. <laughs> Reverse sexism, I love it. <laughs> In um, one of the most fantastic but ludicrous games of football, Brisbane Raw was up three zip after 23 minutes and ended 5-4 down after 120, sending Western City Wanderers to the third A-League Grand Final four years and their fans into that shirts off hysteria. This was an amazing game of footy. You're an ambassador, Sowie, for this team. Yeah, what a fantastic win. You can see the RBB going absolutely mental there. I caught the end of the game on the radio on the way home and what a finish, but uh, what a game. Would have been loved to be able to go there, but a yeah, fantastic effort. Be down 3-0 after 20 minutes, I think it was, to come back and win 5-4 in that kind of, yeah, I guess, pressure cooker is, is fantastic. Last game at Pertec Stadium as well for the Wanderers. Just when the A-League had a little bit of a soft centre, I think, this year, but it's just coming home with a bang. That game was as stimulating as a Grand Hackett nipple tweak, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> really got you. Sydney, <laughs> who are you going for? <laughs> Sydney FC. No, probably. I'm actually going... I'm, I lived in Adelaide for a little while. I'm going you for Adelaide United. You love the Reds, don't and, you? Uh, yeah. but they're great oh. stories, aren't they? They're great stories. Yeah. The Wanderers, of course, three grand finals in their four seasons of existence. It's just phenomenal. They're yet to win one. Now, they haven't got the toilet seat yet. Adelaide, as we said, they won nothing at the beginning of the year. They've come back, you know, stormed in as well. Lost it their is. first eight. Yeah. So, uh, the question, Jules, though, we saw what nine goals kicked in that one. Uh, what are we going to see in the grand final? Because these two sides have played for four and a half hours this season so far for a goal each. So there's been a couple of nil-all draws in there. Well, it's a bit of a quicker surface, Adelaide Oval. Like, the ball really skids off, so it, it, they mightn't score as freely. But with these two teams, I mean, they're, they're so the, the strikers are so good. Jute for Adelaide United and obviously Castellan, who you said you were a little bit iffy on, and he came through for the Wanderers right at the end. So I think it's going to be... A, there'll be definitely be goals in this game. Just quickly, there's a, a win like that. It's gone into extra time. Is that the grand final already played, or does it give them the momentum going into a grand final? No, I think it gives them fantastic momentum, especially after being 3-0 down, they get the chance to go down to Adelaide Oval. Uh, no one's giving them a chance down there because it's a home ground. They've played extra time, so they're obviously on tired legs. But for the Western Sydney Wanderers, I think they go in pretty confident knowing that they can come down from uh, come back from 3-0 down. Uh, even when Brisbane had a win, they had a loss. Check out this fan's beer during a goal celebration. The woman there has got the, the, the young bloke in front of her. Now she's gone completely herself, which is about, Look at it. Bang. Oh, down, oh, and down, oh. down goes. And, and down she goes. Oh, it's a tough school. Oh, that's tragic. It? It's a tough school. Uh, football gets a bad rap in the simulation stakes. You know, players lying down. Um, I reckon basketball might have it covered. This is Celtics Marcus Smart. I know this is your, <laughs> your <laughs> team. Absolutely. Absolutely. That is a foul if I've ever seen one. Kyle Corver from the Atlanta Hawks. He jumps after he's hit. Yeah. No, it was a foul. <laughs> <laughs> he got fined $5,000. $5,000, as he should. All right, coming up, Craig Wing joins us. We've got this week's top five, plus how this fan led his fiancée too embarrassed to show her face. Daddy, guys, I'm telling you to wait, to wait here. I'm waiting. Say Filipino, I say to taste a film. I'm a toy. Hello, guys. Here we are live for the World Championship of the Crazy Cars. So the race will be 10 laps. Prepare yourself. Don't show your teeth, Daniel. <laughs> and go! Oh, 
it was a good start. There we go. It was already a big crash. Don't crash. Don't crash. Agora vamos para a sétima volta. Come on, Daniel. Come on, man. Let's let. And the winner is... Felipinho won the race. The victory lap now. You can wave to all the girls. Don't get Uh, cute factor 30, how good is that, Philip? A massive son beating Daniel Ricciardo. Just love it. Could you love him anymore? Daniel Ricciardo? Yeah. I know. What a, He's awesome. What a great bloke. All right. Uh, to the EPL now and the fantastic Mr Foxes are just about over the line in sports. Most incredible story. Leicester City beats Swansea 4-0. And with Tottenham held to that draw, they, I think, fall back to uh, seven points back, Jules. That's right. Leicester only need one more win. They need three points from three games to clinch the championship. But just what an amazing story. Uh, they've been playing Man U next Sunday where they could possibly win the Premier League. Man U are worth £300 million, Leicester £30 million. Oh. So that's the difference. And they did this without their, their striker. Uh, and, and Jamie Vardy won't be playing next week. There'll be a, it's a Hollywood story in the making and it looks like it's going to come off, Crash. It's Maybe. extraordinary. Like, if we live to be 150, we will never see this again. The biggest upset in sporting history. And think of all those battlers from Leicester who have pulled off the biggest betting plunge that sports bookmakers have ever seen. They reckon $100 million between them. They'll take off the bookies. 5,000 to 1. So they might have 20 pounds on it for $100,000. I mean, it's extraordinary. So battlers, butchers, bakers, candlestick makers are planning renovations and new cars. And it's, it's fantastic. The multi-bets, isn't it? Oh, multi-bets. Like, you might back Hillary Clinton to win and, and uh, plus Leicester. So they've seen nothing like it. I, I back Leicester and Daryl Summers to make a Channel 9 comeback. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm up for 15 <laughs> even, if, uh, even if they didn't go on to win, according to manager Ranieri, there's no downside. Hey, man, we are in Champions League. We are in Champions League, man. Dilly ding, dilly dong, come on. <laughs> dilly ding, dilly dong. It's just beautiful. All around, that is a massive and wonderful uh, story. All right, Adam Scott has worn the green US Masters jacket. He's worn the gold Australian Masters jacket, but he's refusing to wear the green and gold at the Rio Olympics. What do we make of this decision not to play golf at the Games? Well, it's disappointing, but as Adam said a year ago, he said, I never grew up wanting to be an Olympic champion. I felt he made one mistake, and that is he should have told him a year ago because he was never going. There's so much of, of this Olympics that's not professional golf. And I'll give you one example. If you go to a golf tournament in America to their hotels, there's room service outside every hotel room. They live it quietly in the room. They're not into village life and all the things that turn on athletes that go there. They don't want to do it. So I'm disappointed. I was really hoping he'd go, but he was never going. How could you not want the opportunity to win an Olympic gold medal? I mean, yeah. ask, you, you talk about golfers and their individuals. So it's tennis players. Ask mm. Andy Murray where he rates his Olympic gold from London. Yeah. Exactly the same as his Wimbledon title. So yeah. should golf be in the Olympics? Oh, I don't like it there. Should oh, tennis be in the Olympics? No. Debatable. Put Should basketball be in the Olympics? No. Where do you draw? What do you want in the Olympics? <laughs> it's like archery. Take them all out. You're a professional athlete. The, uh, the chance to be called an Olympian. How do you turn that down? Yeah, well, I guess it's, it's interesting because I'd never grown up wanting to be an Olympian either, so I probably understand Adam Scott's line of thinking there. You know, he's in an isolated sport and, as Crash said, you know, they think 
of just one thing. The, the ultimate holy grail is the, the Masters for them or yep. the British Open. So how do you grow up saying, I want to play in Rio and win a yeah. gold medal? Do they have a good course in Rio? Where were they? Great course. It, it's it's custom-made for this event and it's an absolute beauty, according to a few people that have played it. They'll get there eventually. Some young kid will watch the Rio Olympics and see a gold medal thing and think, that's where I want to be. Some, but, but Maybe it'll be uh, Aussie Scott Hend. Uh, he hit one very, very sweetly. Terrific performance at the weekend. Have a look. This is the second shot on a massive par five. For me, that's another three shots to get to the front of the green, perhaps. Uh, for him, though, on it goes to the green. Not only that, he oh, pops oh. it in. Just a little albatross there, three under par. He's actually from Brisbane and he plays the course called Mudgee, which has got a par four to finish with. And the story's a legendary. He hits it over the green to the car park. Look out, ladies who are practising for the Wednesday Invitational. <laughs> Everyone's in danger when Scott ends at Nudgy. Well, the way the Olympics is going, he might be an Olympian soon mm, exactly because they need right. 60 starters exactly and they're dropping right. like flies. All right, Chris Gale uh, has supposedly named his baby daughter Blush after the infamous Don't Blush Baby line, uh, he so classily delivered to the then Big Bash reporter, Mel McLaughlin. Uh, do you like this idea, Jules, that uh, calling the baby blush? Well, it is kind of funny, because you can just imagine if it is true, her conversations with a friend. What are you named after? Ah, uh, the Greek god of beauty. You? A dad's, one of my dad's sleazy pickup lines. <laughs> <laughs> Me and my sister ever tripped over a log. So, uh... <laughs> so I doubt it's true, but it's is pretty it funny. True? Well, I don't know. The story's now coming out that he's actually the partner, whether he's a partner or not, has the baby is a boy, so it was just him, you know, causing mischief. It's a bit disgusting if it's true. Nothing like oh, naming your child to basically... or using your child to publicise yourself. Absolutely. It says a lot about Chris Gale, actually. Like, very contrary. Mm. Yeah. All right, so with cricket, Crash, there's a bit of a story going around about Australia and the bowling coach. What's happening? Fascinating story about to hit the press is a story by Ben Horn who will reveal that Australia, when they play South Africa later this year, they've plucked their bowling coach from behind enemy lines and it will be the great Alan Donald. Wow. So he will provide all this information on the South Africans to Australians. And Jamie, I tell you, it'll really rattle the South Africans because he knows them inside out. So it's he's taking... Uh... Craig, Craig's job. Yes, Craig McDermott. And uh, look, it may only be for a couple of series, but he's a really clever guy. He's devoted his life to cricket. He's got a lot of interesting theories. And this is, this is a good result. And it'll cause a, a lot of angst. It really will. All right, to the NBA playoffs now. And Golden State are travelling well, although there will be concern over continuing injury problems for superstar Steph Curry. Kel, how's he looking? Not so great. Well, Golden State fans should be nervous. I mean, we're talking about the most informed sports star on the planet at the moment. He actually, uh, they're playing Houston at the minute. He sprained his ankle in game one, missed game two and three, came back with that ankle heavily strapped and then slipped on some sweat and has strained that knee. So they're saying at least two weeks before they assess him again. They've got to get through uh, the Houston Rockets first. How badly will he be missed? He'll be missed very, very much so. He's uh, obviously the drives their team and he's the best player in the world at the moment. But for me, uh, it gives San Antonio a chance really now to put the foot Ooh. down. Uh, Steph Curry's, the way he's played this year, is a unanimous MVP, uh, very important to their side. But they'll be wanting the other series to go between Clippers and Portland. They'll want that to go seven to give Steph time to rest. But without Steph Curry, then the Warriors are almost rudderless. And the three Aussies still involved. Yeah, so how are they going? The, uh, Paddy Bogut, Mills has been going yep, terrific. Paddy Mills. So it, the Spurs could play the Warriors for a chance then. So it'll be Bogut against uh, Paddy Mills for a chance uh, for the final playoff. And, of course, Matthew Delavadova from Maryborough in Victoria. Delhi made a huge name for himself this time last year, doing really well for the Cavs. So 
To think we started with seven Aussies at this NBA season and we're still down to three. In the last two years, the champions have featured an Australian on the team. We're just absolutely dominating. It's fantastic. We rock. All right, time for our epic fail. And it, it doesn't come any more epic. Is Greek league side up by two uh, with seconds to go? Jermaine Marshall, uh, he gets the ball, decides to sink it into his own basket there. Now scores a level. Scores a level. They go to extra time. They lose and are eliminated. <laughs> it just doesn't get any worse. Look, pops it in. How good am I? going, no, not so good after all. And what about go. the lavishness of the Greek league there? It looks like it's been played into demountable, made from asbestos. Exactly. courtside seats. Alright, fans at the baseball are told not to grab fair balls, as you'd imagine. But this bloke couldn't help himself. Uh, as you see, ball comes out and it's not a foul. Uh, and it goes down. He's got terrific seats at the front. Picks it up. Much to the horror of his himself, he realises, oh, oh, and the partner down goes the head. It means instant dismissal. They've already been told that. So pick up your gear, sunshine. You are out of here. He couldn't so they get ejected. Well, get it takes ejected. you back to the Chicago Cubs when the... The famous yeah, one. Yeah, he reached out to try and grab the fair ball and they would catch it. So, so is she upset she because she has to leave with him? Yeah, she's, she's, she's embarrassed. She knows it's on television. They take the ball off him as well. It's yeah. just nasty. That's fantastic. So she doesn't want to be identified? No. no. <laughs> Not a lot of women I date. Leave the restaurant. Kids know uh, the rules of sport and sometimes they have to explain them to their parents. Now, rule one, don't cheer the opposition when they're beating your team. Now, you can see here the home run hit out of the park. This young Yankees fan, his mum starts to, no, he's not on our team. <laughs> <laughs> don't applaud the enemy. My seven-year-old father has that expression of all four games. <laughs> exactly. Which, as you might be surprised, brings us to this week's top five kids who didn't like losing. Yep. And we start with the famous Southampton fan seen in the background. <laughs> we got Father of the Year next week. <laughs> Number four. Putting on cord greens is always can be tricky. But what's the reaction? No! <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Spelling oh. also is a sport. Have a listen to this. Kabaragoya. Kabaragoya. I know it. I know it. I totally know it. Okay. Kabaragoya. C-A-B-A-R-A-G-O-Y-A. Kabaragoya. What? Kabaragoya is spelled K-A-B-A-R-A-G-O-Y-A. <laughs> still got a date though. Alright, number two, getting out on 99. This is still the biggest regret of Warney's test career, uh, getting out offered no ball too, as we found it later. Yeah. He didn't suffer on his own crash. Look at this guy. <laughs> Warney's grouse and cricket. <laughs> he hasn't finished with a hat yet, Kel. <laughs> Put it back on. Double dates with the last guy. This is this number one. This is a Panthers fan. Just for you, Sally. Look at the. You've got to love the passion of this kid. God, no. <laughs> That is a South fan next to it because we played the Sharks. That's exactly right. I think it might be a parent there. All right, there's your top five. Coming up, he's played at the highest level in both rugby and rugby league. Craig Wing joins us next right here.
big win tonight. Yeah, what a career, what a player, an NRL Premiership player, State of Origin and Kangaroo, a dual international playing rugby for Japan and according to Jamie Sowers as of this afternoon, the best looking bloke he's played with, <laughs> quote, amazing rig. Craig Wing. Welcome home. Absolutely true. Yeah. Stand by it. Yeah, of course. Well, welcome back. Uh, how <laughs> is it? I wondered about yourself. <laughs> <laughs> How is it to be back uh, on Australian shores after an amazing time you've had in Japan? It's great. It's really good to be home. The first couple of years that I went over, it was such an exciting adventure. Everything's new. But the longer I was over there, I really, it really made me appreciate how good we have it back here in Australia. What, was it the overload of Japanese game shows that got you there? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's very interesting. But it was, just, it was just everything we have to offer. I mean, you can go, down, go for a stroll down to the beach and have a coffee in the sun, go for a swim, there's parks, you can smell trees and flowers in the air, which is uh, something you don't really get in a big city. What about the, uh, I heard earlier that Anthony Mundine, we spoke about him, he's decided he's going to come back. You're 36, yeah. he's 40. <laughs> is it all over for you, really? Um, I think I only decided that I was going to retire a couple of weeks ago when I started doing interviews. <laughs> really? <laughs> but, but, yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely over for me. Um, I, finishing off on the World Cup last year, I thought it was a really good time to bow out. And, um, you know, I've been very lucky and fortunate up until now, and I don't have too many injuries that are, are still with me. So I would never want to tempt fate and come back and try and have another crack at the NRL because I think uh, finished off on a high there, and I should be grateful for that. What was that experience like at the World Cup? And I guess um, the fact that, you know, you were there on the sidelines, unfortunately injured yourself the day before that very, very famous victory over South Africa. Take us through that experience. It, it was phenomenal. I mean, when we left the airport in Japan, there was not one newspaper reporter or photographer. Uh, our training sessions, there was, there was no-one there. Or even when we left, for the, left the hotel for the first game, nothing. And then that game and everybody in the stadium was absolutely into it. It was the first time I'd ever seen opposition supporters cheering for us to win. Wow. I was on the sideline, turned around, and I could see a few South African supporters when we were pressing their try line cheering for us to win because they knew that if we had have won, which we did, they were part of something extremely special. And then when we turned up at the hotel after the game, there was, we couldn't even get in the hotel, there was that many people. And that, that, that continued on for the rest of the campaign. Craig, it was said that no team has ever targeted one game for longer than that. Like, how long did Japan put into preparing for that game? We completely focused on it as a team, probably the, the year beforehand, whereas I'm sure Eddie had a plan in place probably four years beforehand. Is <laughs> that obsession? And we went through stages uh, where we changed our style of play and changed our training, but it was all in preparation for that game. We even had, a, we even had a, uh, a drill at training called Beat the Box that was designed around playing and training a certain way to outfox the, the Springboks, which is what we did. 
Craig, we don't know each other that well. I follow you on Twitter. You don't follow me back. That's no big deal. I've got over that now. You only started following me today, I think. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But I, I, and I, don't, I have to ask this. I hosted the Clear Bachelor of the Year Awards in 2000. Oh, right. Okay. Uh, where you won. Uh, obviously, I was ineligible for being too attractive. I didn't want to sort of tilt the conversation. Uh, but how was that for you? Where does that rank in your list of achievements? Because I just remember all these drunk girls there, yeah. like, begging you to take your top off. <laughs> I think I did, and they all went home. But what was that experience like? In actual fact, that was, that was a really interesting time because I'd just moved from the Rabbitohs to the Roosters. Still a kid, didn't really know too much about how things worked. And I was under enormous pressure at the Roosters because I'd just, um, just been a big-name signing, apparently. And I'd been just dropped to reserve grade, playing out at Penrith. And I had to play at Penrith the next day. And uh, there was a lot of media around it. And I, I did have a lot of me media exposure going to the Roosters. And because I wasn't playing extremely well and scoring two tries each game, I was getting hammered in the media. And I didn't really know how to take it as a young kid. And uh, truth be known, halfway through 2000, I was thinking about quitting footy because it just really wasn't worth it. It was putting me under a lot of stress and I, I, I wasn't enjoying my football. Uh, but lucky for me, things turned around towards the end of that year and I got, got things back on track and got a spot on, on the starting team and the rest is history. Did you get sledged for it, being a Bachelor of the Year and stuff? Was it? I did. That didn't, that didn't really affect me too much. Um, my first couple of years in grade, I sort of got, I got a fair working over on the field, uh, particularly from Jimmy Dimmick, who later became my coach, and Ricky Stewart, who later became my coach. I can still remember a couple of run-ins with those guys on the field. But 2000 was more about uh, trying to earn the respect of my teammates, and that was made increasingly difficult by the media exposure that I had gotten up until that point in time. Once I shrugged all that off and, and, and started to play some good football, everything else fell into place. You did that brilliant thing of playing as a utility, often uh, coming from the bench in huge games. Uh, Mal Meninga has picked uh, an Australian side today and Michael Morgan is a terrific player to come off the, the bench. It's that impact. So when a player these days wants to come off the bench, they have to believe that yeah. they are going to do something special. Well, I always took the frame of mind that um, I wasn't on the bench because I was second best. My, my attitude was that I'm on the bench because when I go on the field, I'm not just going on to replace someone and do what he's doing. I have to go on and do what he's doing and more and do it better and faster and harder and try and change the tempo of the game. I think whoever's on the bench, if they go on with that kind of attitude, um, they're, going to be, they're going to have a tremendous impact because really the, thing, the advantage that you have going for you is that you're fresher than those other guys out there and you have to change the tempo of the game in favour of your own team. Well, you won a comp in 2002, obviously a great experience for you then. How much different is that to playing Union and obviously that win last year, being involved with the Japanese side and beating South Africa, and what, what was better? Um, well, I've never seen that before. <laughs> it's yours. Uh, <laughs> uh, winning an NRL Grand Final is it's, it's just on another level. You would, you would know that you're training for 11 months of the year with these same guys, and it's, it's the culmination of all that hard work, sacrifice, uh, and there's a lot of luck that goes into it as well, just to, just to get there at the end of the day. And then it all comes down to 80 minutes. And then when you finally win, it's, it's, it's an unbelievable feeling of accomplishment and it's, it's such an achievement. Being part of the World Cup, we, did, we were training for, 
four years. I was part of it for the three years beforehand. And it was a, a tremendous build-up. But you're different players from different teams with different backgrounds. And we trained quite hard, actually, this, uh, uh, the year leading up to the World Cup and spent a number of, um, number of days in camp without any rest, without any sleep, really did the hard yards. And it was, it was quite similar to, to the, the NR, winning the NRL Grand Final. But uh, I guess at the end of the day for the Japan team, we did, so, we did do something very historic and we did put Japan on the map for rugby, but we actually didn't win anything and we didn't make the quarterfinals. Well, you, you've won something just by being here. Uh, <laughs> I haven't got the prize with me, but I'll give it to you. Look, thank you so much for, for being here. Welcome back. And uh, now that you are back home, I'd love to see more of you. Thanks very much for having me on the show. Craig Wing, stay with us. Our Champ of the Week, up next. Welcome back. Well, look, we've seen some epic fails in the hurdles on this show, but I think this girl, she redeems herself. Look, it's the recovery that I like. <laughs> it's a failure for there, then. Oh. Good at gymnastics, bad at hurdles. It's terrific, isn't it? Well done. All right, uh, look, there is a history of sports people struggling with water bottles. We've seen it on this show before. Here's another one from the NHL. Uh, it's just his reaction that he's so angry. I mean, he's got water running down his front. He's playing ice hockey. He spends most of his time on his ass on the ice. Doesn't work with a plastic bottle as well. It's like trying to hang up on a mobile really angrily. Like, it just doesn't. You just can't do it. That is exactly right. All right, uh, it is time now for our champ of the week. And we're going with a team of champions, Kel, the Queensland Firebirds. Now, they won the comp last year. Don't look like getting beaten this time around. They've stretched their unbeaten record to 17 with that 12-goal win over the Adelaide Thunderbirds. How good are they going? They are rolling along nicely. They're just ticking off the league records. We're in our ninth year of this competition, so that is the all-time league record of 17 consecutive wins. They're looking to go back-to-back. -back. No team's done that, and it's a grand final rematch Next weekend. this Saturday in Brisbane. So the Swifts, who are also playing brilliantly... Yes, undefeated. ..against the Firebirds. Undefeated. Will be brilliant. All right, that's this Saturday. You can, uh, of course, see it here. All right, goodbye. Sadly, that is where we have to leave you. Thank you so much for uh, turning up again here this evening, and thank you for turning up. This has been a production of Fox Sports.